So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant based out of Orlando, often found in New Orleans, which is where I am today. We're going to talk to another great new solo. Actually, he's not that new. He's been a solo for a while, but he's going to tell us about what he went through to get there and um, some cool things that have been happening to him over the past year or two as he's been a solo. His name is Matthew Moeller. But before we get started, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Perfected. Perfected is a legal-specific proofreading software that locates mistakes that neither spellcheck nor the most eagle-eye lawyer can find. Try Perfected free from intelligentediting.com. Matthew, do you know about that company? I do not. They're cool. You should totally check that product out. I actually use it and have it. It's one of my favorites. All right. I want to also make sure and thank Answer One. It's a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at answerone.com. That's www.answerthenumber1.com. Of course, I want to thank Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal practice management software. Thousands of lawyers and legal professionals trust Clio to help grow and simplify their practices. Learn more at Clio.com, and that's C-L-I-O.com. Want to make sure, of course, to thank another one of my favorites, Unbundled Attorney. It's a premium lead generation service that delivers exclusive leads directly into your inbox in real time. Looking to get more leads and grow your practice? Visit UnbundledAttorney.com today. Hey, Matthew. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. How are Man, you? It is such a beautiful morning in New Orleans. I rode my bike here. It certainly is a lovely morning. And I don't mean like my hog. I rode like my two-wheeled bicycle, and it was so beautiful out. So uh, you're born and raised in New Orleans. No? No, Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, that's right, because I was just there yesterday at the bar. That's how you knew so much about Jackson. You said your dad's a lawyer there? He is. He practices with Balch and Bingham in the uh, Jackson office. Did you ever practice with him? I did not. And that was certainly by design. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No accident there. Did you go to school here in New Orleans? I uh, went to high school in Jackson, Mississippi, and then I went to undergrad at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, and then I went to law school here at Loyola. And did you figure out if Lawrence Coletti is in your class? I believe Lawrence Coletti was in my class, class of 2005. That is so cool. I'll have to confirm that. So Lawrence, for listeners who, who don't realize it, Lawrence is the producer of my podcast, actually all the podcasts on Legal Talk Network, and he's just a total and absolute <laughs> sweetheart. And had gone to school in New Orleans. And when I walked in this morning to interview Matthew, he said, you know, I think he may have been in my class. So we'll have to find out for sure. So you graduated from law school here in New Orleans and decided to stay. I did. And it was right around the time of Katrina. So there was, you know, a lot of thought about about leaving and, and what might be the job prospects for attorneys going forward in New Orleans. But I did decide to stay here with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, And we're certainly glad we did because the legal market in New Orleans has uh, flourished, I think, since Katrina. I've always said that about, so I started coming here right after Katrina and around Katrina. And we did a seminar for lawyers, like Renew, Revive, something New Orleans. And that's when I started realizing how cool New Orleans is, not just as a city, but also 
I've always believed that the legal community here is so good. I mean, it's tight, it's local, but it's big. It's kind of weird. So yeah, I'm glad you stayed too. So you were with a larger law firm right out of law school? I was with a large law firm right out of law school doing some document review and helping them with a large pharmaceutical docket that they had at the time. I did that for about a year, and I went to another law firm, which was more of a boutique law firm focusing on insurance defense and uh, general civil litigation. I then went to a much smaller firm to work on some vessel construction cases as well as uh, some trucking defense cases before deciding to finally start my own firm in the summer of uh, 2013. Vessel construction. So, you know, one of the one of the things that I love about New Orleans is like the weird types of law that you practice here. So there's a lot of maritime disaster law. Um, <laughs> there's tobacco, oil, gas. Like it's just, it's really an interesting market. So it sounds like you got a lot of different experiences working with those firms. I did. And, and those, the range of experiences that I had in somewhat, you know, somewhat of a relatively short period of time is kind of what ultimately gave me the foundation and, and the confidence to to start my own firm and be able to have, you know, a specialized yet diverse practice in terms of the different kind of cases that we handle. And what, what are those and what is that? Well, I am primarily a commercial construction and maritime litigator. However, we also do uh, contract preparation for clients. We consult with clients regarding uh, their general strategic objectives and, and issues that they may have in their business. And, and so we, you know, we have the three kind of large buckets, but we're also able to handle, you know, other discrete issues that may come up that relate to those three practice areas. That's very cool. So you said 2013 is when you decided to go out on your own. It is. And you're a young guy, right? It was. You're a young guy. So about how old were you? I was, I think uh, we we're probably about the same age. 36 at the time. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I'm a couple of years older, but that's cool. But no. All right. So you're 36 years old and you've probably been talking about it with your wife. Like, you know, I'm thinking about going on on my own. Was she supportive and great? And was that an important part of it? Or was she like, no, let's keep that cushy job. We got two babies now. I, I think we were both cautiously optimistic. That's good. Would be, the best, would be the best way to put it. She was very supportive in doing it, but certainly there's a little bit of uh, trepidation and, and intimidation, honestly, when you decide to kind of take that step and, and go out on your own. So you finally decided to pull the trigger. I did. And did you work from your home? I worked out of my house for two weeks, <laughs> uh, which was good and bad, um, before you know settling on a, a shared office space downtown to really kind of help with the transition of getting the operation up and running, getting the systems in place, seeing how things were going to work out. The shared space was great because it was a month-to-month deal. And I had the ability to move and go somewhere else if I needed to, or I could stay as long as I wanted to. So that kind of situation was ideal for me in just seeing how things were going to shake out initially. And um, I do want to go back and ask you about what your book looked like when you decided to do that and how you got clients. But I think people are always interested in learning more about a shared office space. So I'll ask you a few more questions there. So I've been to your office several times before you moved to this one, which obviously we'll get to too. But that was cool because it was in a major building downtown in the central business district of New Orleans. And you had a receptionist there. You had like all the creature comforts of a big firm with a good address. Tell everyone a little bit about sort of the resources that you had, what the cost may have been like, maybe any downsides that you faced in having that shared office space. Were they all lawyers in there? 
Not all, but you know, a, a good many number of lawyers were, were on that floor and in, in the shared space, yes. And was there any sort of camaraderie? Were you able to either refer each other business or, you know, because a lot of people say, oh, I hate to be out of my own and in my home because I wouldn't be near other lawyers and I want part of that community. So what was it like in there as far as? Just a little bit of camaraderie in terms of, you know, they understood the profession and everything. Not so much a lot of referral opportunity, but a lot of curiosity I think amongst the uh, handful of us that were working out of that address about exactly, you know, w- what are you doing? What's your practice like? Who are your clients? You know, those kind of conversations. And then as far as the logistics of the office space itself, I think I remember that there was a receptionist and the services that you paid for were a conference room, internet, like what was the deal as far as the shared office space the actual setup I thought was quite good, particularly for one person. Uh, there is a receptionist. There is someone that, that gets and sorts your mail. You have access to a kitchen, which is nice. You have access to the conference room if you need it. Uh, everything is there to really support you know, small businesses and trying to make you know, growth attainable for them. The downside, I think, would be you know, putting a lot of people in there in a lot of different offices is not necessarily cost effective um, because you are paying by head for things like telephone, Mm. uh, internet, and some of those services. But for one person, and for me, when I was just starting out, it couldn't have worked out any better. Oh, that's very good. And so when you were just starting out in those two weeks that you were at home and then transitioned to the office space, did you have clients? Where did you get clients from? I had a few core clients that were with me when, when I started my own firm. And fortunately, those clients were very, very busy at that time. <laughs> even, though, <laughs> even though I didn't have a lot of them, they had a lot going on. And so that was a really good segue from a cash flow standpoint into getting the operation up, up off the ground, uh, being profitable from day one, oh, having some resources to deploy for technology and further uh, business development and things like that. And so we've just been fortunate enough since then to be able to keep it going in a very positive direction. So did you say to all your clients or key clients, hey, by the way, I'm going on on my own. Do you want to come with me? Or did you tell your your firm that you were working for, look, I'm going on on my own you know, how do we break up these clients? How did you work that out as far as going on on your own and already having clients? It was very civil uh, when I left. I mean, there were certain clients that I think, you know, it was understood uh, were clients that were mine. And then Mm -hmm. there were clients that certainly I worked on, but were firm clients that stayed. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very clean. That's good. I always uh, hear that. Like, it seems like everyone that I interview who has to make that break, it's always pretty natural and clean and relationships are maintained very well, and I think that's great. Things are usually pretty clear, I think, in yeah. that kind of attorney-client situation and, and which which clients really should be able to, you know, should be, the lawyer should be able to take with them and then which clients really are better suited to stay, you know, at the previous firm. That's usually a pretty clear scenario. Okay. And then as you sort of Let's go back like a couple of years before you decided to go on your own. You had mentioned to me earlier that you didn't necessarily love sometimes the technology or the processes that you were confined to in someone else's law firm. So 
What types of things were those that you realized maybe weren't for you, weren't efficient? Maybe you looked around and went, oh my God, I can't believe we do things like this. Is there anything like that that helped you go out on your own? Well, I think the big thing was just trying to move away from the bundles and bundles of paper. And I'm not saying that you should be 100% paperless. I mean, it's still today, I often print things out to look at. I have, you know, smaller books that maybe, you know, do not have material that's easy to navigate online on a bookshelf yeah. that I can just grab. But, you know, the, the days of, of the big file cabinets in the back of the office and the unlimited number of red wells, you know, falling out everywhere, that was something when I went out on my own that I certainly envisioned was not going to be a part of kind of how we do things. And I think in moving away from that, you're able to to better control your operating costs, you're able to, to keep overhead uh, to a lower level. And ultimately, I think you're able to deliver more value to the client in running a much more streamlined process. Where did you pick up such fancy business terms like operating cost and a bottom line. <laughs> Too much reading. <laughs> oh, okay, no, that's good. Like, that's what, you know, many lawyers say. I don't know anything about the business of law, and especially when you've been stuck in, in another law firm and there's, you know, office administration that runs that sort of stuff. So, you know, part of going on your own is obviously figuring out that, holy crap, I'm going to run a small business. I'm going to be a business owner, but I don't have the business skills because they didn't teach me that in law school. So you did a lot of reading. Well, a lot of reading, and also it, it really goes back to my high school job. I mean, I, I was <laughs> That's a, awesome. I high was, school was good yeah, for something. I was a stock boy at, at probably uh, one of the better-known clothing stores uh, in Jackson, in Jackson, in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> I worked uh, after school and in the summers, and um, you know, it was a small business. It was a huh. sole proprietorship. It would run by a guy that was very much behind the scenes, uh, an owner. Uh, that did all the dirty work himself while, you know, all the other people were out selling the product on the floor. And I really gained an appreciation at a very young age about running a business and really how much hard work it is and, and what you have to do uh, to successfully run a business. And then before I went to law school, I was actually a political consultant oh. in um, Washington, D.C., and was part of a group that actually left another group you know, and, and so I, I learned from uh, the president there firsthand and watched him run our operation and really learned some very, very valuable skills about, you know, running a business and ultimately, you know, achieving a, a profitable bottom line. So do you think you're a small business owner that happens to be a lawyer or are you a lawyer that runs a small business? The latter, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, before we go on and talk about your move into your own office space and the technology that you're using and stuff, I'm going to take a quick break so we can hear a couple words from our sponsors. Imagine how much faster you could work if you spent less time proofreading. Almost every lawyer wastes hours each week proofreading rather than producing legal work. With Perfect, it's American legal style. You spend less time proofreading and have more time to focus on substantive matters. It's easy to use and there's no training required. Try Perfect it for free from intelligentediting.com and start saving time on proofreading today. Are you a family law, immigration, or estate planning attorney looking to attract new leads and retain more clients? Join hundreds of other solos and small firms just like you who use Unbundled Attorney to receive premium, exclusive leads delivered directly into their inbox in real time. 
To learn more about how their lead generation services can grow your practice, subscribe to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast or visit unbundledattorney.com today. Clio is an invaluable software solution for law firms of all sizes, handling all the demands of your growing practice from a single cloud-based platform. Clio enhances your firm with features such as matter and document management, time tracking, and even billing. Clio is an effortless tool that helps lawyers focus on what they do best, practice law. Learn more at Clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is attorney Matthew Moeller. He's a solo, sort of. I mean, now you've got some help, but we'll, we'll talk about it. Matthew Moeller in New Orleans, and we've been talking so far about uh, his experience as a young attorney in other law firms deciding to break out on his own. You were in a shared office space for, what, two years, three years? Two years. Two years. And then not that long ago, you called me and said, hey, I moved. I've got my own office space. I walked in here yesterday. I was like, wow, these are some nice digs. You're in a great building in New Orleans. At what point did you start to think about when you were in that shared space and you were a true solo that, hey, it's time. I can probably get out there and have my own space. And how did you find the space? And like, tell us a little bit about making that big move. Well, it was just a, a focus on now is the time to start adding people and uh, and more of a long term growth plan. And like I said, it was not what are those big fancy business words again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was not. It was not cost effective uh, to do that in the shared space as much as I liked the shared space. So I had a friend, a uh, commercial real estate broker in town. You know, I had him start looking at some different buildings. And, and, you know, the occupancy rates downtown are pretty solid. I mean, we had some things to look at, some that I thought were probably a little bit too much, too big, and too soon. Uh, we had others that weren't quite big enough, and maybe I wasn't crazy about the location. But, you know, we got here to 650 Poydras, which is a great building mm-hmm. on the right side of Poydras for me because I, I don't like fighting traffic. And of course, backs up to Lafayette Square, which is kind of a great uh, setup. And we found a suite that needed some work, but the landlord was was nice enough to work with us on on a little bit of a build out. And um, yeah, I mean, I was looking for you know obviously an office for myself, uh, a couple of other extra offices to grow, a little reception area, and at least one conference room. And so the the setup that we have now. I think serves all those mm-hmm. purposes. Was the furniture here? Did you have to buy all this furniture? We bought all this furniture, so um, you know. Okay, so you had to spend a little bit. Yeah, we had to spend a little bit. We're adding as we go, as you can see. Uh, we probably have longer to go than we've I think added. It looks but. great. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's amazing. It's a wonderful space in a great part of town. So you added a paralegal. I did. All right, so you went on your own. You had, if I remember right, contract paralegals. That were when you were in the shared space. I think you had a contract, like a part, or maybe it was a law student. Yes, I had a law clerk. Okay, I did. All right, so over there, you were like seriously a true solo. That's correct. Who does your receptionist? 
Well, we have a we have an automated system where, uh, and the voice is Caroline's. It's not going to be my voice. <laughs> the automated Good. system, where certainly she has a greeting, and then someone can simply select, you know, a, an extension for her or an okay. extension for me. All right. So you decide you got on your own. You get the space. You hire someone, and Caroline that you just mentioned is your paralegal. Correct. Okay, so you've got a full-time paralegal in here. Correct. So that was a big move. Did you go through the whole, how do I hire my first employee reading? <laughs> Not so much reading. I, I, you know, I had toyed with the idea of hiring a paralegal before Caroline came on board, and I had known some people that had some good uh, connections into, I think it was the LSU Paralegal School, oh. as well as some other groups that are always looking to place paralegals, and you know, got some resumes and liked Caroline's and... Uh, you know, I think we had one or two meetings, and, and that was it. And she's been here right about a year, probably oh, wow. probably about 13 or 14 months now. Awesome. No, she's yeah. very sweet. And um, tell us a little bit about the technology that you and Caroline use. So I think, and remind me too, when you were picking your practice management program, didn't you go through trials of all of them? I went through a lot of trials, and the main thing I did was I went to the ABA tech show. Oh, yes, for, my baby. For the purpose of really deciding, okay, what technological platforms are we going to use to run the show? And I think so, that's really important because most attorneys literally would not even think to take two or three days out of the office to go to a conference. That's cool. But I bet Ernie helped you, encouraged you to do that, right? So Ernie, the attorney, Ernest Vincent's a friend of everyone, and he's here in New Orleans and has long been a blogger, and he was with a big firm, and he went out on his own, and now he's a consultant, sort of like I am, helping lawyers with technology. So Ernie said, go to Tech Show. And then, yeah, no, Ernie very much encouraged me to go. I went. I thought it was great. It's certainly not something we would go to every year, but I think it's certainly something I'd be interested in going to about every five years yeah. when there are big sea changes right. in technology. But I no, mean, it's no, going to be shorter now. Yeah, I think uh, I think, think it so? used to be, we used to be able to say in legal every five years they'll yeah. do, and now I really think it's probably more like every two or three. Right. All right, so you tried a bunch of things and you landed on Cosmolex. I did. Okay. And so that's what you use for your practice management and your accounting, and you like it, and it's good, and you trained Caroline on how to use it. And then you also have net documents. Huge fan of net documents. Good. Me too. And in fact, every day, I feel like every day I log on to net documents, they've got a new ad about you know a top 100 law firm yeah. in, in the U.S. changing to net documents. So they really seem to have a lot of momentum, and, and it's probably only a matter of time before... Most firms are using net documents or something very similar. But what's important about that is, so it's a web-based document management system. If listeners haven't heard of it, it's absolutely one of my favorite. I mean, Alan, my partner, I rarely work with firms who we aren't putting net documents into because it's a sophisticated document management solution built for law firms. But what's so cool about it is that it's so scalable. So you're a solo one. Now you're two. You're going to add a third, I think, later. And you're using the exact same platform as some of the largest law firms in this country and actually in the world. And that's so cool. So it's a very scalable and affordable product. And you're a big fan of it because it makes your life so much easier. It does. I know. I love it, it too. Okay. Any other? So you're also, you're both PCs. What other cool technology tools or suggestions would you have to someone going out on their own to make sure they use or think about anything else you're a big fan of? You're an iPhone user iPhone user, and I and I just think that I mean I, I've learned it, a lot of it from you because I know you're the Outlook <laughs> expert. But I, I love think, Outlook. I think Outlook is very very undervalued as also as a almost a practice management type solution totally. for for smaller groups. I mean, there's just so much you can do. 
with Outlook in terms of assigning tasks to people, collaborating on calendars. You know. Right, so you're an Office 365 subscriber, That's which is important. It's only, what, like $12 a month per user, I think. That's right. And yesterday we set it up so that Caroline, well, she already had access, I mean, but we made some tweaks so that she could see your calendar, you guys had a shared contacts, which is really important. And before these cloud-based subscriptions, I would have had to say to you, well, to make it easy, you know, 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, we're going to have to put a server in here. We're going to have to put Exchange on here. It's going to cost thousands of dollars. And now for $25 a month, again, you have the same platform that the biggest law firms that you're, you know, either competing against or working with or using at really an incredibly reasonable cost. And it's interesting that you bring up the server because (laughs) going back into thinking what I didn't want when I started my own firm was I did not want the closet right. with the server in the with kitchen, two thousand cords, and somebody back there in the middle of the night with a flashlight <laughs> uh, going through three hundred different cords to figure out why our internet didn't work. That that also was something that absolutely was just not going to be part of the the way we did things initially. Now there there may come a time, depending upon circumstances and, and different things, where. You know, we may have to have a server. Over my dead body, Matthew I, I Muller. Don't, I don't see <laughs> Over that. Over my dead consulting body. <laughs> I don't see it happening anytime soon. Do you think that having, you know, been around and witnessed what Katrina did to law firms was a part of that? Or you're just, it was just a natural thing for you to realize technology's really efficient and I can do this without all that stuff? I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, the key with technology is it's it's enabled smaller firms and smaller outfits to deliver, you know, a lot of the same services in the same amount of time as bigger outfits. So it's it's really been a, a game changer, I think, from a capability standpoint where there's not as much natural manpower needed now uh, to deliver the same thing. I totally agree with you. And I'm very grateful that I have been around during this weird transition time and been watching it from the beginning because I started my career at one of Florida's largest law firms. And it's just so funny to think back. And they're probably still doing... Oh, actually, no, they're a NetDocs firm now. I was just going to say, they're probably still doing the same things. But uh, that big firm also went NetDocs. So anyway, well, that's cool. Any other technology you want to mention? Let's talk about business development. What do you do as a small solo who you know has a kind of cool niche practice but can kind of step outside of it for business development? And what have you learned in doing that? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of three faceted. We want to have an online presence. I mean, we want to have, you know, a, a nice looking website that's easy for people to navigate that provides, you know, just quick information. Hey, who we are, what do we do? What can we do for you? Why should you consider us? You know, we, we want to have that, you know, at its essence. But I still think that, you know, particularly for my practice, I, I can't overly rely on an online presence. I'm still, you know, a big believer that at the end of the day, there's no real substitute for face-to-face contact. So, you know, we like to get out there. We like to try to raise visibility a little bit. And then hopefully, you know, as we meet people, you know, in addition to Google, just maybe picking up a natural search for someone looking for a commercial- Vessel construction. Yeah, commercial (laughs) construction maritime litigator then you know maybe we meet someone in the marketplace and that drives them to go to the website and check it out and read up a little more about us so uh, you know i think it's online presence face to face contact i've obviously been real active in the aba i think you know some kind of organizational involvement 
is important, even if the clients don't come tumbling in right. immediately, just, just to raise visibility so that people know who you are, and particularly in an organization uh, like the ABA where there's a national reach that you can be on someone's mind in, in the event there's a need for you know, legal assistance in, in the New Orleans area. So when you say getting out there, Let's talk about locally first. Do you go to charity events, networking events? Is there any, like, what kind of advice would you give to a new solo and say, look, you've got to, do you get on Eventbrite and look for things you're, I mean, you've been around here a long time. So basically, you probably get invited to a lot of events, you know, when they're, but how do you find the right type of, and where do you send Caroline? Or, you know, like, how do you say, okay, well, we should go to that because, you know, it's good networking. How do you pick? Well, I think you got to find things that you're interested in and things that fit your practice area so that, you know, when you're communicating with people there, you're, you know, you... You don't you, stick out? You, well, you, you've got, loper. you know, you're somewhat of a, <laughs> I guess, allegedly a thought leader or, or, you know, someone that can at least speak the language, so to speak. But um, I think you got to find things you're interested in. I probably have been under-involved in local bar association and, and state bar association activities at the expense of more national things just because that's kind of where I landed first. And, you know, it's kind of the, you know, if you, if you land somewhere and you have opportunities, you know, it becomes more natural to kind of stay there and, and move up a little bit than to just drop that and go somewhere else. Yeah. However, we are going to have another lawyer coming on in the fall. Congratulations. Uh, That's awesome. We're very excited. We think he's going to be great. And um, I think one of the things, you know, he also is very interested in, in getting involved in some organizations. And I think one of the things we're going to do is maybe focus more through him on getting involved at a real, real local level. Good. I mean, it'll be easier for him, you know, because he's going to be right out of law school. And uh, it'll just be, I think, a good fit for us so that we can kind of cover both a national and a local, you know, organizational kind of involvement strategy. Was he your law clerk? He is my law clerk now. Oh, good. So that's mm -hmm. how you found him. I, I did. He's a third year at Tulane and, and will be graduating this spring and then taking the bar. Awesome. That's mm -hmm. very... Very excited. Very, I know. <laughs> I'm so proud. Like I, And I feel like, you know, maybe I had a little tiny bit part of this. I've been here the whole time. Oh, you had a big it's part of awesome. it. Don't, don't no, sell yourself short. I love it. It's really exciting. So before we close off and I ask you to tell people how they can get a hold of you and keep an eye on you. If you had two or three things to say to a new solo, like, you know, Matthew Moeller of 2012, who's just about thinking about going on his own, what would those things be? I think you got to trust your instincts. I mean, when I, when I decided to do it, it wasn't really even a close call in my mind. Everything that I thought about told me to do it. So I, I think it's important to trust your instincts. I think it's important to know that, you know, you have to be, I think, is Ann Gwynn, one of the practice management consultants that I've read, I think, her book. I think she says you've got to be the technician and you've got to be the business person. And I think a lot of people are really good at being the technician, doing the legal work, but have no real interest in running the business, yeah. looking at financial statements at the end of the month. Understanding them. Uh, yeah, where, are we, where are we spending money? Why? And could we spend it better here or there? You know, so I think I think it's those two things to trust your instincts and to realize that as a true solo first starting out, you are uh, wearing a lot of hats and it's a very multifaceted job. You really have to be an entrepreneur. I mean, you have to be a business person we, and you've got to you do. and and the whole the whole reason behind being an entrepreneur is just the idea that 
you know, you want to do something differently and you think you can be successful doing it differently. And you've done it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. we got to knock on wood, keep baby. it going. <laughs> exactly. Well, tell our listeners where they can either contact you if they have any questions, if they have a legal need, or your website and all that good stuff. Sure. So again, I'm Matthew Moeller. We are the Moeller Firm, LLC, located at 650 Poydras, Suite 1207 in Ooh. New Orleans. Spell your last name because it could be M-O-E-L-L-E-R. Our website is www.molerfirm.com. And anyone can reach me at 504-702-6794. Awesome. Well, thank you to all our listeners who've listened today. And if you'd like to learn more, make sure you visit LegalTalkNetwork.com and Matthew's website. Of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. So that brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares. Thanks for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another great episode. Matthew, thanks so much for your time. It's been great. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's, I'm happy it's been to. fantastic. And don't forget, everyone. Remember, you're not alone. You're new solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo, here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.